हेलो एंड वेलकम टू एपिसोड 159 ऑफ भारत वार्ता वीकली सीरीज हाय नीरव हाउ आर यू डूइंग हाय अभिषेक ऑल गुड ऑल गुड सो टुडे वी आर मिसिंग आवर रेगुलर होस्ट आवर यूजुअल होस्ट कैरी सो ऑन दिस वीक्स एपिसोड वील टॉक अबाउट सेवरल इंटरेस्टिंग टॉपिक्स बोथ pleasant and unpleasant right so we'll talk about india's performance in the asian para games we'll talk about uh, the unfortunate news of the death penalty announced by qatar to eight indian citizens uh, we'll talk about the indian decision for the united nation vote on israel gaza and we'll also talk about some business developments with the tatas taking over winston's iphone plant in india right so to start off let's quickly talk about some good news in the paralympics the asian games that are underway in hangzhou china india has gone past the 100 medal mark we've already beaten our previous record of 72 medals and we are around the fourth or fifth position right now with about 111 medals China as expected of course leads the charts with 519 medals followed by Japan Iran and also South Korea is in the mix so our prime minister has been constantly you know tweeting his support to the various winners as i could see on twitter or x so what do you think nirav this follows another impressive performance in the asian games yeah hi so basically i think this is a continuous process we are slowly and steadily improving our uh, athletics performances and uh, i think it's very heartening <clears throat> to see acknowledgement from the prime minister to each and every one also what is good is we are seeing so in 2018 you had the asian para games in jakarta just after the asian games and now this time you have it in china so there are a lot of repeat winners right so it's not as like a lot of people who are like once flash in the pan won one medal and then not win anything else I think one is one women's badminton player, Mansi Joshi. I remember she won uh, a medal that time, and she won again uh, this time. So what this also does is it shows people that there is a career being a sports person. And so if you see continuous the same set of athletes winning over and over again over like a ten twelve year career, and that gives a lot of encouragement. Uh, <clears throat> last time in the previous one of 72 medals we already at 111 i think it ends this weekend so sunday will be the closing ceremony maybe there are a few more i haven't followed it as closely as the asian games but definitely it's heartening and basically there is usually like a felicitation for all the medal winners by the pmo organizes something so this is like a huge encouragement all of this goes towards i would say stepping towards like the next year's olympic games and the paralympic games so i think hopefully that all the medal winners and all the athletes which are there a lot of them also win medals in the olympics versus a wider range of competition and it is just heartening to see india climb up the medal board slowly but steadily and all the effort which has gone in into olympics gold quest into like all the training getting like very good coaches so all that is paying dividends it takes 10 years for someone to develop to be like a world class athlete and now we are seeing the results now yeah okay let's move on to the next uh, 
discussion item. So on Thursday, Qatar handed the death penalty to eight former personnel of the Indian Navy, alleging them of espionage. Uh, the Indian Ministry of External Affairs reacted by saying that it was deeply shocked and is attaching the high, highest importance to this case and is exploring all legal options. This case tests India's ties with this tiny but powerful Gulf nation with whom we have tried to build friendly ties in the recent past. So, Neera, what are your thoughts on this case? I don't think we have a lot of facts in the public domain, but yeah. yeah. We have some reports. So basically, these are eight ex-Navy personnel who had gone to Qatar to train the Qatar Navy. And there's a lot of report of espionage. You can't really confirm like a lot of facts. But they were imprisoned about a year ago, accused of espionage. And there is some rumors saying that there is Hamas leadership, which is there who lives in Qatar. And these... Indian ex-Navy officers were spying for the Israelis. Now, again, this is all speculation. Maybe the Israel-Hamas war escalated only in October, after October 7th, right? So we don't know. But this is quite a serious matter. See, Qatar is a very small country, even amongst the Arab nations. And it has a huge amount of LNG, uh, liquefied natural gas reserves, which after the advent of transportation of LNG, uh, because you have to compress it and you need frozen cryogenic ships to transport it in a liquid form. It has become very rich and powerful. It was actually one of the poorer nations because only you could burn gas at the source or like use gas to make something else and export those things. And at that time, it was not viable. But after the 90s and the advent of LNG technology and countries establishing LNG terminals to be accept this cargo, they've become very rich. They've become very influential as well. They've used the money with like a global media outlet like Al Jazeera. And they've shaped the discourse on a lot of political things in the Middle East and as well as the world. So they've, they've been quite powerful and punched above their weight in terms of their geopolitical footprint. Also for Qatar, it is like right across from Iran. So even for the US, it has been like a vital ally and they do have some aircraft carrier which is stationed at Qatar. They hosted the two soccer World Cup, so football World Cup. So that also has like shown that they are like the small nation. The population, including all expats, about two and a half million, out of which two million are expats. And all this labor force, a lot of that labor force comes from India. Qatar Airlines also has like bulk of its Passengers actually come from India, where Indians traveling to the US or Indians traveling to Europe. So Qatar is a hub and spoke model where they try and gather, have direct flights to all major Indian cities. And from there, they all congregate in Qatar. And from Qatar, they have flights to all major US and European cities. So a lot of people can travel via their airline and their main business model relied on India. So I think this is where India wanted strong ties. And this has put a spanner in the works. See, this is also going to test the diplomacy of India, led by capable hands of Dr. S. Jai Shankar, but the whole diplomatic machinery will be tried and used. And India needs to use its leverage a lot better. Let us see if we can get some appeal or get them released somehow in terms of whatever it may be. But I think India also should realize that 
India is like a very large country which punches below its weight. And Qatar is a very small country which punches above its weight. And can India try and leverage it up and see what they can do? It's a very sad news. Hopefully, all these sailors can be released, but I'm not so sure. This also might be like one of those pawns in like the hostage release in Israel if they are really connected to Israeli intelligence. And so let us see. It is, it's a very sad thing overall. And maybe if India really uses a tougher stance and if while it might cost Indians or uh, poorer Indians job opportunities in Qatar, if you see fewer Indians go there, that will also affect even can be construction workers or domestic servants or, or lower level employees. This can affect Qatar's economy quite a bit as well. So I think this is a very delicate situation. Again, I've laid out the facts as I know them. Very little is known, but hopefully some sort of solution can be brought out soon enough. Moving on to some other news from the Middle East. So India on Friday abstained in the United Nations General Assembly from voting on a draft resolution that called for an immediate humanitarian truce in the Israel-Hamas conflict. India abstained as the resolution did not make any mention of the terrorist group Hamas. Before the General Assembly voted on this, there was an amendment proposed by Canada and co-sponsored by the US. The amendment asked for inserting a paragraph in the resolution that would state that the General Assembly unequivocally reject and condemn the terrorist activities by Hamas and the taking of hostages, etc., and demanding their safety, well-being, and so on. So the original resolution which India abstained from was, you know, proposed by Jordan, I believe, which India abstained. India supported the amendment. The amendment did not get the numbers required to sort of get included, right? So what are your views, Neerav, on this? Uh, so, yeah. So here, see, the whole Israel situation is kind of a delicate one for India. It is, India has like a large section of Muslim population, which is pro-Palestine. And India takes like a pro-Palestine stance a lot of times. India-Israel relationship has improved over the last few years, specifically after the BJP government, Modi, came into power. And see, India has a terror problem. See, India has a terror problem. You have like terror groups like lashkar e and the Mujahideen, also like domestic terror groups. So India needs to get like global recognition for this terror problem. And uh, India is saying that you need to reject the terrorist attacks by Hamas, which took place starting October 7, 2023. So I think this is the part which is very critical. India kind of needs to play like a balancing game. And probably see all these UN resolutions always get vetoed out by the one of the five big members. So as such doesn't matter, but shows your stance. And here India has taken a line where India itself faces like a terror problem. So naming the terror group Hamas is required. And actually the world recognizing the actual terror attacks which have happened. So anyways, this is like a very sad situation. It's a delicate situation. And India is like a far away spectator. I think we should highlight the operation to bring back a lot of Indian citizens from Israel. A lot of them are working as like nurses and domestic helpers. A lot of them are working in the high tech fields in Israeli companies or US companies with Israeli operations. So you have people working in cutting edge tech and all the way down to like 
lower end the domestic helpers but i think india has to look at its own interests and highlight that and also try and be fair you have to play the balancing card there is a humanitarian crisis right now in gaza but the cause has been the it has been triggered by the terror acts of hamas and i think the whole world should realize the problem so yeah i think india has taken a principled stand and it is an important one though i feel these stands no one really cares or no one notices it all gets vetoed so i'm a bit of a cynic over there but yeah all right moving on to our final discussion topic today so the tata group is set to become the first homegrown iphone maker in india for domestic and global markets so the winston group agreed to sell a plant of theirs to the tatas for about 125 million dollars so this happened over the last week so need of a big development for the tatas oh yeah so see there are three big taiwanese companies winstrom pegatron and foxconn they all assemble iphones and they also make a lot of electronic components at probably like the lower end which are then used in the assembly so winstrom is selling the karnataka iphone plant to the tata group there have been like labor issues i think there's also cultural issues all these taiwanese companies actually have plants in china and the cultural issues like in chinese workforce which is maybe more disciplined as well as like because of like the communist nature of the society wouldn't have like that many labor and management problems whereas like india has like maybe out say european labor laws but like a very poor economy so there have been some issues see tata group is knows how to handle india well knows how to handle the cultural aspects well and they are taking up that stake in the karnataka plant and so but they will continue supplying so they'll continue to be assembling iphones and hopefully this can be like a good turnaround story see tata is one of the well diversified groups very advanced on the software side now on the hardware side and hopefully you see more indian companies using this opportunities and expertise that they start building some components so basically china also started from assembling electronics and earlier there was southeast asia actually so taiwan korea and malaysia singapore which were all like making electronic components which lot of that slowly slowly went into china so maybe this is a step that this happens but it also tells you in a sad way that how difficult is it for foreign companies to remain present in india so while it is good for tatas it is maybe like a bad signal for other foreign companies which want to invest in india that how difficult it is and we need to improve the ease of doing business we need to have this has to go in from like government which is elected representatives from the bureaucracy from the society from the employees so it has to have like a societal change and hopefully like this change for the better so we are not talking about slave labor and like working insane number of hours and being underpaid etc these are making very expensive iphones so it is like even if it is just assembly right it is very high quality assembly you you want to be proud of what you make you have to be proud of making like a good product and hopefully we see that changes over a period of time and also maybe the indian conglomerates they know how to manage indian workers and they know how to manage like the government relations both the elected representatives as well as the bureaucrats so i think that is a real advantage which they have 
a lot of people may say that Tata is not that present in electronics, but that doesn't matter. They have like these skill sets. And maybe they can have like a JV or some technology transfer, etc., with foreign companies and probably grow. So maybe it's like a some positive, some negative news. But uh, hopefully these are like some growing pains which India will face, hopefully for a better end. And uh, maybe lastly, we should talk about the ongoing Cricket World Cup. So Abhishek, any thoughts? We've, we've reached like kind of five games out of nine, everybody's completed. And like the sixth game for South Africa, Pakistan happened. So yeah, I about think 26 games out of 45. Finally, we had one exciting game which, you know, the critics of the World yeah. Cup were calling for, right? There was too yeah. many calls that, you know, the World Cup matches are one-sided and so on. So, yeah, I think South Africa-Pakistan yesterday was quite an interesting match. Ideally, South Africa should have won it comfortably, but they do have a weakness in terms of their ability to chase down scores which almost proved very costly for them but today i see australia absolutely thrashing new zealand so far right 15 overs 150 odd uh, with travis head back as uh, the opener so i think the signs are that australia now is going to get more and more stronger as the tournament goes on they scored almost 400 against Pakistan right the other day so yeah I think it's I don't think it was Pakistan right what was the other match I think it was Netherlands they scored 350 odd versus Pakistan and Pakistan and 399 yeah with Maxwell hitting a century after coming in after the 40th over right so which is crazy so yeah I think Australia is going to be a threat they're always they have the pedigree, right, of having won so many yeah. World Cups. It will be another challenge for India. South Africa is obviously another team which has a very strong batting lineup, especially when they bat first. So, yeah, the India-South Africa league game promises to be exciting, I think. So yeah. It's going to be at the yeah, so Garden. I think the top yeah. four. So, the top four is kind of like look settled right now. And so, that's why like the second half of the league games... I was telling somebody else that only big games are Australia, New Zealand, which is today. India, South Africa and uh, South Africa, New Zealand. Yeah. So these are the only three games which is going to matter. And uh, like a lot of the other games are going to be academic. Like right now, I think you also have like later today, Bangladesh, Netherlands or a lot of uh, games. Maybe there's some chance uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan have like a theoretical chance to win the remaining games and try and cause an upset and try and reach the semis but maybe we, we might see some upsets but that will basically affect the points and i feel the top four might shuffle around based on that and based on net run rate so let's yeah, see fingers like crossed sri lanka also demolished england pretty badly england so i don't know if it's an upset but they are out of the not, race but it was like uh, a yeah. big issue now with english media and everything right people Yes. They are debating what are the root causes of their uh, poor performance. But the India-England game pre-tournament was definitely one of the biggest games that you could look forward yes. to. Now, unfortunately, England is virtually out. But I feel like if uh, the English batters have a good day, it could be an interesting match. Yeah. yeah. And fingers crossed, I keep saying my view that the Indian team should win each and every one of its league games. And win the World Cup. So, semis and the finals. Fingers crossed we see that. 
Yeah, let's hope so. So with that, we come to the end of this episode of Bharat Vartha Weekly. Thanks for your continued support. Uh, join us again next week for another episode. Till then, wishing all of you a great week ahead. Thank you.